A big thank you goes out to my sponsor for today's video, CuriosityStream. Now this is by far my favourite streaming service, because it's a place where I can watch thousands of incredible documentaries and learn so much about so many different topics, such as nature, history, technology and music. But for me, it's the history documentaries that really take my interest. One of my favourite documentaries on this streaming service is The Real War of Thrones. By watching it, you'll learn more about the turbulent centuries of early Europe and how the power-hungry families and dynasties fought for domination of the continent. Behind those stony castle walls was a world of strategic alliance, adultery, scheming, treason and murder. CuriosityStream is also available worldwide and can be viewed on many platforms such as web app, Roku, Android, Xbox One, smart TVs, iOS, Amazon Kindle and Apple TV. Because you're a subscriber to History Profiles, I have a special offer for you. You can get 25% off a yearly subscription. That's only $14.99 for the whole year, which is just $1.25 a month. So use my link in the description or go to curiositystream.com forward slash HP for unlimited access to the world's top documentaries and use my promo code HP to sign up and get 25% off your yearly subscription. In this video, we will delve into 10th and 11th century England and Scandinavia. This was a perilous time where the kings of England were being assassinated, exiled, or cut down in the field of battle. Need it be said that this was a time of murder, betrayal, and ambition. In Scandinavia, the situation was no better. Sven Forkbeard was Canute's father, and before Canute's birth, in the latter part of the 10th century, Sven revolted against his own father King Harold Bluetooth and seized the throne of Denmark, driving his father into exile and death. The story of Canute involves many awe-inspiring figures, as in this time, when boats were made from wood, men were made from steel. When Canute was just a boy, he heard a story of the St. Bryce's Day Massacre. King Ethelred of England ordered the extermination of all Danes in his land, which led to the death of his aunt Gunhild and her husband Palig, and countless others. His father, Sven Forkbeard, was overcome with grief. He would personally lead raids against England frequently. Canute's father was rash, bold, and a fearless warrior, but he wasn't there for the boy, as he was always away fighting. So how would Canute be forged into the greatest king Scandinavia had ever seen? This is his story. First, let's look at the early life of Canute. We don't have an exact date to when he was born, but it's widely believed he was born in the year 990. He came from a legendary bloodline, with his great-great-great-great-grandfather being Sigurd Snake in the eye the mythic Viking warrior and Danish king who was the son of Ragnar Lothbrok. Knut's grandfather Harold Bluetooth 
would cast aside the old gods of his forefathers and adopt Christianity, making him the first Scandinavian king to accept it. So Canute was a Christian just like his grandfather, but with his father always being away, how would he learn what it meant to be a man and a warrior? According to a 13th century book called the Flatheger Book, Canute was personally tutored in the art of war by Thorkel the Tall. In order for this to happen, Canute may have been sent to Jomsborg, the castle of the fabled Joms Viking warriors. Thorkel the Tall was a famous warrior, and it is said that there was no man taller. He would teach a young Canute the way of the sword, the axe, and how to kill a man. Growing up, Canute admired Thorkel, for he was everything he wanted to be. Strong, respected, and feared. Canute would not forget the Lord Thorkel, for he owed him much. Canute's training by Thorkel and the Joms Vikings was so intense that he would be ready for battle in his teens. In the Knut's Drapa, an Old Norse poem, it states that Canute was of no great age when he first went to war. But barely anything is known of Canute's early life apart from his tutorage from Thorkel. Once he became a man, he was described as follows in the Knitlinga saga. Canute was exceptionally tall and strong, and the handsomest of men, all except for his nose, that was thin, high-set, and rather hooked. He had a fair complexion nonetheless, and a fine, thick head of hair. His eyes were better than those of other men, both the handsomer and the keener of their sight. Soon enough, in the year 1012, Canute's old tutor, Lord Thorkel, now leader of the Joms Vikings, led a Viking invasion into England with his men. The disruption Thorkel caused in England gave Canute's father, King Sven, an opportunity to finally finish what he started, and that was to kill King Ethelred of England, or take his crown, or both. But this time, Sven would take his son, Prince Canute, with him. By 1013, Sven and Canute led a full-scale invasion on England. They would sail with hundreds of ships, ready to take the throne, and avenge the extermination of Danes, ordered by King Ethelred years before. When Canute and his father arrived in England, according to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, they arrived with their fleet in Sandwich, and swiftly went to East Anglia. Earl Uhtred quickly bowed to Sven, as did all the people of Northumbria. Then the people of the five boroughs followed. They then went to Winchester, and the people there did the same. They then pressed eastward to London. Conquering London would prove difficult, however, due to Thorkel the Tall defecting to King Ethelred's side after abandoning his individual raids in England. He became one of Ethelred's generals, and he would personally hold London against the forces of Canute and Sven. Nonetheless, Thorkel's resistance was in vain. He knew that they could not hold the city due to the overwhelming might of Sven and Canute's forces. King Ethelred sent his sons Edward and Alfred to Normandy, and then retreated 
to the Isle of Wight. Thorkel abandoned London to meet Ethelred for one final meeting. After this, Ethelred followed his sons into exile. On Christmas Day in the year 1013, Sven was declared the King of England. Only five weeks after his ascent, he would die at the age of 50. Sven did not even have the time to organise his vast new kingdom, and his sudden death would leave England in chaos. But upon Sven's death, the Vikings and common people of the Danelaw would cry out for Canute to be crowned as the King of England. The Witten, however, who were the King's council, composed of the Anglo-Saxon nobility, quickly sent word to Normandy to recall Ethelred from his exile. King Ethelred, with the support from the Witten, quickly mustered up a force of loyalists. Ethelred's son was a notable warrior, said to be one of the finest swordsmen in all of England. He would come to be known as Edmund Ironside, and he would lead his father's army in a surprise attack against Canute's forces. The attack left Canute's army of Vikings running back to their longships and caused them to flee England. Canute was now at his lowest point. He had lost his father, lost his newly acquired lands, which he had bled for, and he was no king. So, he went to his brother Harold and managed to muster up more men for a new campaign in England, and he wasn't going to let all his father's achievements go to nothing. So in the summer of 1015, Canute's fleet set sail for England, and their numbers were immense. But this invasion wouldn't be like his father's, for they faced Edmund Ironside, and something had changed in him, perhaps from his exile. He was strong, bold, and an inspiring figure to his men. He was quickly becoming a saviour to the English. He would die for his men, and they would do the same for him. And what Canute faced wasn't the bowing and submission of lords, but grisly, bloody warfare. It is said that the battles to come were of an intensity that had not been seen since the days of Alfred the Great. In early September, Canute would arrive in Sandwich. He then sailed around Kent to Wessex and began his campaign. And in order to win, rivers of blood would need to stain the English soil he wished to rule. Lord Eadric, the Elderman of Mercia, deserted King Ethelred, and he and his men joined Canute. Canute's old mentor, the man who taught him to fight and be a man, Lord Thorkel, the commander of the Yom's Vikings, also defected to his side and abandoned King Ethelred. Due to their history together and the legend of Thorkel and his men, Canute accepted his allegiance. Over the next few months, while Canute began his campaign, King Ethelred would die in April 1016 leaving his son Edmund Ironside to take up the defences of the country. Soon enough, after many assaults, raids and massacres, the famed Edmund Ironside and Canute would face each other head on. In the hills of Sherston, on June the 25th, the Danish and English armies would clash. Thorkel the Tall would summon his Yom's Vikings from their 40 ships 
and they would face the army in the front line to prove his loyalty to Canute. As the battle raged, the deaths were piling up. The battle was fierce, and Thorkel and his Yom's Vikings would fight with such ferociousness that no man could face them, vanquishing all English men in their path. But Edmund Ironside, the warrior prince, would also fight amazingly, cutting down many Danish troops and inspiring his men to fight on. Canute would also be in the thick of the fighting and would fight with a trance-like fury. But once the blood rage wore off the leaders of the armies, Canute and Edmund saw the amount of death and bloodshed and eventually called the battle off. Neither side won that day. There would be no celebration that night for the deaths on both sides were too many to count. Later that year, on October the 16th, 1016, a decisive battle would take place that would decide the fate of England. The Battle of Assendon would take place in Essex, where Canute and Thorkel would face off once again against Edmund Ironside. During the battle, the English and Danish armies fought valiantly, but Eadric, the Elderman of Mercia, again betrayed Edmund Ironside and abandoned the battle amidst the carnage which allowed the Vikings to break through the English lines and annihilate Edmund's forces. Edmund would then flee and Canute and his army would pursue him. The two leaders would eventually meet to negotiate terms. The Vikings and Canute had such respect for Edmund as a warrior that they allowed him to rule Wessex while Canute ruled the rest of the country until one of their deaths in which the survivor would take control of the whole country. Thorkel, the lord of the Yom's Vikings, would be made into the Jarl of East Anglia for his help and fighting prowess against the English. Edmund Ironside would soon die, either from his wounds in battle or being assassinated a few weeks after the pact, leaving Canute to rule the whole of England. The Witten, the Saxon nobility, and all of the Danes now accepted Canute as their king. He was crowned in London in 1017. Canute was clever, as well as being a warrior. He quickly killed off anyone he thought could question his rule, or grow to oppose him. He ordered the death of Ethelred's son, and Edmund Ironside's brother, Eadwig. Eadric would soon grow arrogant, and proclaimed that without his desertion, Canute would not have been able to claim the English throne. Canute replied, A man who betrays one master is likely to do the same to another. While the two were arguing, Eadric was decapitated with a battle axe by Eric of Northumbria, who no doubt hated Eadric and wanted him dead due to his treachery. Eadric's head was then placed on a spike on London Bridge. In the year 1018, Canute's brother Harold died. Canute quickly sailed to Denmark to seize the crown, and that he did. With his hold over the Danish crown being stable, he went back to England. In 1021, Thorkel also fell out of favour with the king, but the past had made Canute a man of mercy on this occasion, as he couldn't kill his old mentor. So Thorkel was outlawed instead of killed. 
The Norwegian king, Olaf Haraldsson, took advantage of Canute residing in England and began to launch attacks on Canute's kingdom of Denmark. Word would quickly reach Canute that his neighbour was ravaging his lands, so he set sail for Denmark at the head of an army. Canute's army was now colossal. He had around 600 ships, and his ship was said to be 80 metres long. Canute and Olaf's armies would soon face off against one another in a battle known as the Holy River with an alliance between King Olaf Haraldsson and Anud Olafsson. The Swedes and Norwegians were attacked in the mouth of the river Helga by a navy of Canute. 1026 is the likely date and the apparent victory left Canute in control of Scandinavia. In 1028, Canute set off with a fleet of 50 ships from Denmark to Norway. Olaf Haraldsson now stood down, unable to put up a fight, as his nobles sided against him. They were swayed with bribes of huge amounts of gold. Canute was quickly crowned king. His office was now king of all England, Denmark and Norway, the founder of the North Sea Empire. During Canute's reign in England, there was an era of peace. This is due to the fact that he controlled the forces that would regularly raid the English shores and ravage the lands. Many people believed that Canute had divine powers and could control the tide. So Canute ordered his throne to be placed on the shores and commanded the sea to halt and not wet his feet. When his feet got wet, he turned to the court and said, Let all men know how empty and worthless is the power of kings, for there is none worthy of the name, but he whom heaven, earth and sea obey by eternal laws. The story about the tide is not about Canute's arrogance, but his humility and submission unto God, showing that even he, was only a man, and the true authority and power lay with God. Canute was a devout Christian who repaired all the churches and monasteries that were looted and ravaged by his army. With his army being largely heathen, he had to tolerate the pagan religion to not alienate his forces. He even went on a pilgrimage to Rome in 1027. Canute would die on the 12th of November 1035, aged around 45. His brilliance was what held together his North Sea Empire, and upon his death it was split. Chaos would erupt, as men of ambition would want to be king. The medieval historian Norman Cantor called Canute the most effective king in Anglo-Saxon history. Canute the Great would grow up amongst all types of men, schemers, warriors and warmongers. In order to survive and carve out his legacy, he had to be the best of them all. His training with Thorkel forged him into a warrior. His time with Eadric made him wary of schemers and traitors, and his father Sven loved to raid and go to battle. As did Canute, being the veteran of a hundred battles and many wars. 
Let me know your thoughts on Canute the Great in the comment sections down below. And I'll see you all soon for another History Profile. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.